Do you seek the freedom to pursue greater meaning and purpose in your life? Is there something that you're passionate about that you'd like to support by giving time, talent, or money? Do you seek a level of financial freedom to live an ideal life as you uniquely define it? Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to helping you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier. My name is Mike Bernard and I'm your host. Like Jeff, I'm also a certified financial planner professional. This show is all about helping you discover what matters most and helping you get your actions and resources in alignment with your goals. We combine excellence in wealth management with the pursuit of meaning and purpose in your life. Jeff Bernier is the founder, president, and chief investment officer of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, a wealth management firm in Alpharetta, Georgia, a suburb in the greater Atlanta area. Hey, Jeff, what's happening in Atlanta and at Tandem Growth these days? Well, you know, just looking to finish the year strong and um, move, you know, into the holidays. And I think I may have mentioned, um, you know, I've got uh, grandbaby number two on the way. So that's that's pretty exciting. How about you guys? Everything good? Anything new with the with the KFG team? Well, we don't have any news quite that big, you know, just trying like many people uh focusing at the on the end of 2020 hoping for a bright for a bright 2021 so yeah i think we're all ready to turn the page yeah yeah so it has been a crazy yeah it's, it's been a crazy year um you know global pandemic recession bear market you know bull market riots social justice conversations you know and now you know uh, the, the contingent uh you know the the election issues and yeah it's just been crazy. We're we're certainly at a tipping point, and I, I know uh, I know many people would look back on 2020 as, <clears throat> as we do and say, "Hey, this has been a crisis." You wrote a blog piece back in July, Jeff, called "Don't Waste the Crisis," and uh, and in particular, whether this is a good time to refinance your mortgage. I know we have a guest on today's show to talk about the mortgage market, whether this is a good time to refinance. It's um. It, I, I did write that blog and I think it was a really, it was very timely. And, and I just remember back, you know, during the great financial crisis in 2009, uh, when the 10 year bond at that time was at 2.25%. And I said to myself back in 2009, at that time, you know, we'll never see rates this low again. This is a great time to buy a house or a great time to refinance. And man, what a, what a great reminder of the futility of making forecasts because Back in 2009, when the 10 year was at 2.25, today the 10 years at 0.7, and and mortgage rates are hovering around 3% in in some cases. So, you know, so again, I thought it'd be a good idea just to expand on some of the ideas from the blog about uh, with a mortgage expert. And so today we're going to welcome my good friend Ed Wheeler uh, to the broadcast. Ed has been a friend and a professional colleague for our firm. For many many years, uh, for the last 31 years, uh, he's been a, a mortgage banker serving families here in the Atlanta area. And so, Ed, welcome to the Money and Meaning Show. Thank you very much, Jeff. I appreciate the uh, honor of being on your podcast. Well, you've been a, a great resource to our firm, and you know he's been doing this kind of work for 31 years. But he but he doesn't look like it, and I think his wife would probably say he doesn't act like it. But anyway, it's it's great to have you on, Ed. And uh, I think this appreciate is a timely it. think this is a timely discussion around home financing. Uh, but before we get started, I always like to start our conversation by letting our audience 
get to know our guest a little bit. So do you mind just telling okay. uh, our audience a little bit about yourself and your family and, and your work and how you got involved in the mortgage business? You bet. Well, uh, let's see. Let's see. Where do I start? Um, <clears throat> I uh, married my college sweetheart, Katie, about 39 years ago. Uh, we have three wonderful daughters uh, that are grown and uh, out of college and so forth now. i got six uh, healthy, beautiful grandchildren. Uh, spend a great deal of time with them. Um, as far as me personally, um, I'm sort of a type A type person, as you probably know, Jeff. <laughs> My wife accuses me of working all the time, uh, but it kind of goes with the territory. Um, I, on a personal side, uh, just spend a great deal of time with my, with my family when I'm not working and, uh, our, we were, we're involved in our church pretty heavily and, uh, we, uh, have a lot of personal hobbies like yeah. um, home improvement, exercise, cycling, dirt biking, kayaking, you name it, boating. Yeah. So, uh, just stay busy. You know? Yeah. I got, gotcha. And, and, uh, you know, Mike and I talk college football a little bit and I guess I should have warned Mike. I mean, um, Ed is a, grew up in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. They have a, they have a little school there you, you may be familiar with. But, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I forgot to mention that part. I knew that was a sore spot with you. Yeah. <clears throat> so, no, no. Yeah, I did so, go to that. Uh, I did go to that school. <laughs> yeah. I gotcha. So anyway, so, but you know, Ed, you, you started the mortgage business, I think back in 1989 and Ronald Reagan had just passed the baton, I think to George Bush senior. I looked on um, the internet. It looked like uh, San Francisco 49ers won the Super Bowl that year. Uh, believe it or not, the first GPS satellite was launched that year with no fanfare, mm. uh, and <laughs> thirty and thirty year fixed rate mortgages were around ten percent. The good old days, mm-hmm. if you they, remember. And they call that the good so. Old I have days, to imagine right? your, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I have to imagine your business yeah. has changed a lot in the last thirty years. So tell me a little bit yep. about how how the mortgage business has changed in the last thirty years or so. You bet. Well, I actually uh, been in the mortgage business for 33 years, but that's okay. I started yep. in uh, 1987. Okay. And got got started with the old uh, Citicorp uh, mortgage. Okay. And um, so they kind of offered me the the uh, training to uh, to kick off my career. Uh, and uh, let's see, since that time, uh, wow, <laughs> a lot has happened. Um, uh, as I recall, and I'm having to dig deep in the recesses of my mind to go back that far, but um, I don't recall a whole lot of change uh, from the time I started, um, probably until, um, gosh, uh, maybe early 2000s. Um, you know, it was pretty old school. The uh, we didn't have the, you know, the software programs and things of that nature that we have today, and the technology we have today. Um, but I do recall you know, home prices doubling and tripling uh, from maybe the, gosh, it seems like the mid-90s to maybe <clears throat> around 2007, right. uh, as we all remember. Um, uh, gosh, uh, how has that, uh, how has it changed? Well, obviously, rate, rates seem to have steadily declined uh, right. from that period, I would say. That would be a big thing. Um Yes, I remember rates being in the double digits, and so that's been nice to see that steady decline over the years. Yeah. Um, we were heavily, heavily involved in 
what I would call more subprime lending uh, back in those days. And, uh, you know, if you had a pulp, you could pretty much get a mortgage. Um, we didn't apply the same risk uh, assessment and stress tests that we do these days. And uh, so um, obviously a lot of that led up to, you know, the problems that uh, came about in 2007. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember many years ago, um, I think Alan Greenspan wrote a piece about how everyone should have a variable rate mortgage. And uh, so, but for, but for the first part of your career, I mean, most people didn't do variable rate mortgages back then, did they? It was mostly fixed mortgages or? or, uh, or actually, uh, I would a, say we did a fair share of, uh, of adjustable rate mortgages. You, uh, yeah. you, you got to remember, you know, when rates are 10%, uh, people yeah. start looking for ways to, to get that rate down. And so, uh, we we did do quite a bit of uh, you know six month arms one year arms you yeah. know loans that were constantly adjusting and right. things of that nature. Um, so yes, as, as I recall, we uh, we did quite a bit of quite a bit of arms back in the day. Time as well. That's for okay. sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you you mentioned about the mortgage crisis and um, you know um, the ease at which we could get uh, credit or mortgages at that mm -hmm. time. And you know, yeah. of course, you're, of course, um, there are a lot of causes for the financial crisis. I mean, obviously, it was a real estate bubble. It was uh, too much debt. It was the repackaging mm -hmm. of the mortgages. Mm -hmm. There was legislation that tried to obviously influence social agendas. I mean, there, there's plenty of uh, culprits to go around, I think, in terms of how we got there. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, but, I, but I'm assuming, and you alluded to it, I'm assuming your industry has really changed since the mortgage crisis of 2007, eight, nine or thereabouts. Mm -hmm. So what, so what's different today than was than, than prior to, to the great financial crisis of 2009? Well, let's see. Uh, I would say, uh, probably first and foremost is, uh, the um, the risky uh, instruments such as uh, the interest only adjustable rates have gone away. Okay. Uh, the uh, ability to put zero down has gone away. Right. Um, there's much more emphasis on credit history and credit score. Okay. Um, has a great deal to do with with it. Um, and it, it, in some ways, is more difficult to get a loan. But uh, again, as a, they're they're applying somewhat of a, of a stress test to your ability to repay the loan. Whereas in the past, uh, there really wasn't a lot of consideration given to that, unfortunately. Right. And uh, of course, that led to uh, people that probably should not have been buying homes, buying homes, and then the, the you know upon getting stressed financially, that 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 led to the to the crisis, yeah. uh, which uh, flowed over to the, to the broad economy. Yeah. You know, yeah. No, no kidding. And of course your industry uh, had a bit of a shakeout and, and a lot of the small uh, mortgage originators and players did, probably didn't even survive mm -hmm. is my guess. Um, that's, that's correct. I, as yeah. I recall, uh, don't quote me on these numbers, but I believe uh, pre-crisis there were, I think there were around 500 plus 500 plus thousand uh, people in the mortgage industry uh, before then, and after that, uh, that number dwindled to about two hundred thousand. Uh, virtually every mortgage broker in the country uh, went out of business, uh, and the uh, 
uh, I would say probably 95%. Uh, and uh, the survivors were the with the, with banks. the banks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting. Big uh, that's that's a yeah. huge difference. Yeah, so <laughs> um, just as a as a mortgage business 101, um, mm-hmm. ca- kind of walk us through the various broad products. You know, what are the different what are the different products if someone's going to go buy a house or refinance a mortgage? What are the various mortgage products that that you guys offer today? Yeah, sure, certainly. Well, um, there's basically four categories, I would say. Uh, there's uh, conventional mortgages. Um, so these are mortgages that are not insured or backed by the federal government. Uh, and within that, um, <clears throat> that conventional mortgage, uh, we have two basic uh, areas. One's called a conforming loan. That's a loan up to $510,400 in Georgia and in most areas of the country other than a few high-cost markets like New York and Boston, California. Uh, and then above that figure, that 510-400 number, uh, uh, we call that a, a non-conforming or another word for it is called a jumbo loan. And those typically are loans that go up to 3 or $4 million. Uh, so the first category is, would be conventional mortgages. And I would say the overwhelming majority of the loans we do <clears throat> are conventional. Uh, and then beyond that, we have government-insured mortgages uh, like FHA. Uh, that's backed by the Federal Housing Authority. We have the VA for veterans, uh, backed by the Department of Veteran Affairs. And then uh, USDA, uh, backed by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And so those are loans that are designed primarily for first-time home buyers or maybe people with uh, uh, minimal d- uh, ability to put a down payment down, uh, maybe uh, credit challenged, uh, things of that nature. Gotcha. Uh, and speaking of credit challenges, uh, the third category would be something like portfolio or subprime mortgages, uh, where maybe a person has had some credit issues in the past and they maybe haven't dug out of that yet. So um, uh, they have to take, uh, you have to get that type of loan, usually a higher rate, more down. Uh, and another category, which I don't do, but uh, I should mention it, are reverse mortgages. Okay. Uh, where, you know, where, where seniors uh, age 62 or greater can lend against the uh, borrow against the equity in their home and um, use that uh, as a as a means of uh, income. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah. So conventional uh, uh, government, government insurance. Are, 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 are basically you know thirty year, twenty year, fifteen year, ten year fixed. Uh, currently on the arm side, uh, the three most popular are the five year, seven year, and 10 year arms. Uh, they're actually called five, one, seven, one, 10, one, meaning it's fixed for that first period of time. And then after that, it adjusts annually. Uh, the old, uh, interest only loans uh, that we, we talked about earlier, uh, those are pretty much a thing of the past. There's a few subprime lenders out there that still do them, but, uh, they're basically gone. Okay, great. Okay. Yeah, so I think many of the people that, um, that you know, that Mike and I talk to are, are probably people that would be in, you know, looking at conventional mortgages generally, either conforming or yeah. non-conforming. Uh, right. So let's, let's just kind of focus on that for a moment. So if someone's, you know, looking to buy their first home, um, what are they, you know, what are the general requirements in terms of down payments or loan to value ratios or things of that nature? And I know that, it varies based on mm-hmm. a lot of factors, but are there some broad ranges on what 
uh, someone would expect to, to need to put down? Well, um, let's, talking about down payment, I, I guess you could say if you start, if you're a veteran and you get a VA loan, you can actually do that with zero down still. Okay. Uh, but that comes with a pretty high upfront cost for insurance that goes into a pool to insure those mortgages with the VA. Um, next uh, would be 3% down with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac on those conforming loans. Next would be 3.5% down with an FHA loan. Uh, when you get into the conventional jumbo loans, generally speaking, you need to plan on about 20% down. Uh, but there are means of, of doing less down if we uh, combine a first and second mortgage into what we call piggyback lending. Uh, but generally speaking, when you get in above $500,000, $10,400, you're going to need to put a, put more down. Um, in terms of um, underwriting requirements and things of that nature, um, basically, uh, we're going to apply some debt-to-income ratios against your, your consumer debt and what have you and, and the uh, home you're, you're interested in or or the home you're refinancing and so forth and make sure those, those debt to income ratios fit within, uh, uh guidelines, uh, basically ensuring that you can repay the debt. Um, and, uh, so that's, that's pretty much the answer okay. to your question. I yeah. Think. Yeah. That's pretty complete. Thank, thanks for that. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I'm, you know, I've been working with you and other, people in your industry for years, and I'm always confused about the various pricing mechanisms of the mortgages. So mm -hmm. can you just kind of strip out for us briefly what uh, sort of what are the various costs or the terms in, in, in a various mortgage? In other words, you have different closing cost structures or, or different discount point structures. Can you kind mm -hmm. of give us a high level of what all that means as yeah, you're going absolutely. in to, to try to borrow money? Yeah. You bet. Well, I can understand how this could be confusing. It, it is uh, the number one confusing uh, conversation, part of the conversation I have with, with clients. So I try to educate them on that uh, first and foremost to make sure they know the definition of the terms uh, before we, we start into that process. But um, so I guess to begin with, all mortgages have closing costs associated with them. Uh, and um, there's going to be such things as lender fees and third party fees, such as appraisals and the credit reports and things of that nature. Uh, the closing attorney in, in Georgia, we use closing attorneys, other, other states such as say Florida and so forth. They use title companies instead of closing attorneys, but, uh, their fees for title insurance and the settlement fee, the appraisal fee and things of that nature. And last of all would be things like, state intangibles tax that go along with it. Um, however, with all that said, um, the closing cost that a person pays is totally dependent on the rate option they select. So, <clears throat> for example, I'll give you a, a perfect example. A person with excellent credit maybe putting 20% down or having at least 20% equity in their home, 30-year uh, fixed rate, uh, they could probably get a rate today in the two and three quarter or, or high twos range, let's call it, uh, and pay uh, full closing cost. And that might, let's say on a $300,000 loan, that might be 
five or six thousand uh, dollars. But that same person uh, could choose to take a slightly higher rate, maybe a quarter percent higher, maybe half a percent higher, uh, and pay uh, maybe half that amount of closing cost, or maybe even zero closing cost. Um, so the mechanism for being able to do that is the agencies that we sell these loans to on the secondary market, in exchange for the the borrower offering up a slightly higher rate, they will uh, contribute toward your cost. And so we can we can apply that contribution to the point where it it can literally pay all of the costs. Yeah. As far as uh, terms go. Uh, the, the term points, uh, a lot of people are confused by that, but it's a very simple term. Uh, when, when we refer to a point in the industry, uh, that's simply the cost to buy the interest rate down. So one point equals 1% of the loan amount. So a uh, $300,000 loan, if I said it, it costs one point to get a particular rate, that means it would cost you $3,000 additional closing costs to get that rate. Gotcha. So you're, you're, so the choice is higher rate or prepay some of the rate through a point. Through That's points. correct. Yeah. So you get the rate. In other words, it's, yeah. a, it's a trade-off. So right. uh, and and so when we um, give people all the various options, as you know, uh, we we lay it out for them on spreadsheets. We show them uh, the different uh, costs for the different rates and where they break even if they choose the lower rate and so forth, and um, we ask them pertinent questions about their uh, live there, Do they are they trying to pay it off earlier, you know, things of that nature. And so all of this goes into making a decision on what's the best, what's the best rate option to pick. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that I, I stress in these shows um, and, and having you on is a great example of that. And Mike and I talk about this a bit, about collaboration, with other professionals mm-hmm. because your firm and firms like yours uh, can be really helpful to us to give us various choices to consult with our clients about so they can see these various trade-offs, you know, more now, you know, how long does it take to recoup the closing cost, you know, mm-hmm. and, and make some, make some reasonable, you know, make some reasonable assumptions. Um, you talk yes. about agencies. So um, once a loan is approved, mm-hmm. um, some banks, I guess, retain the servicing or retain the obligation, I guess, or the asset. It's not an asset to the bank. It's a, I mean, it's not an obligation to the bank. It's an asset to the bank. Do they mm-hmm. sell those assets generally or do they retain them on their books or, or, <clears throat> is, there, or is there both? Well, um, boy, that, that's another area. There's a great deal of confusion uh, in our industry. <clears throat> so I, let me speak of my employer, Ameris Bank first. So um, on uh, the conforming, the FHA, the VA loans, um, as well as the jumbo loans, we fund those loans with our bank's money. Uh, but uh, we turn around and, and sell those loans to our investors. So we'll sell it to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, VA, FHA, and so forth. Uh, usually within about a 30-day period after it closes. <clears throat> when a loan closes, it goes through a post-closing audit process, where and then it's packaged and sold to those those agencies. Now, what we do uh, as our bank is we retain the servicing of that loan. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, our customers only know that they're dealing with Ameris Bank. Right. Uh, so, uh, but, but technically behind the scenes, we have sold that asset and it is, it, it is owned by one of those investors. 
Right. Okay. But should the, uh, so but does the bar does the borrower care? No. no. Yeah. Uh, all they all they know is they're they're dealing with us and of right. course we we're involved in the collection of the payments and the disbursement of their taxes and insurance that they, they escrow for those items. Um, right. <clears throat> now, if a person gets a loan through uh, some other sources, such as mortgage brokers and that, t- that type of thing, uh, more than uh, that loan is automatically going to be sold to whatever uh, lender they placed the loan with. Yeah. And then that lender may decide to also move the servicing of that uh, loan uh, to another investor. And so it is a, it is an asset. It's a, it's an asset that, that is sellable. And um, so that's, that's what happens in our industry. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So when, when a loan is sold, uh, someone gets what they call a goodbye letter from the current (laughs) lender. And then of course they get a welcome letter from the new servicing lender. Right. Uh, But that's, uh, that's basically what happens. But as far as the terms of the loan, uh, you know, a borrower would never need to worry about that. Uh, That is etched in stone. It can never change. Gotcha. Okay. Well, as I mentioned, we, we wrote this blog piece back um, a, a couple months ago about this being, you know, kind of a good environment to potentially consider refinancing. Uh, and in it, I discussed a little bit about the freedom that comes with being debt free. Um, mm-hmm. So this may be kind of an unfair question for a guy who's in the lending business, but so what, what do you have any general opinions about debt um, philosophically or um, mm-hmm. any, any thoughts about that, about debt? I, I do. <laughs> I have very strong opinions. Well, let's hear them. That's what we have here. <laughs> well, um, uh, you know, I've, I've, years ago, I read a book by Dave Ramsey, and, and I got, I personally got on the page of, of, of uh, not uh, being in debt, and I preach it to my children and my uh, customers and, and what have you. I, 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 I don't think debt is a good thing, and, and uh, quite a, Quite frankly, I, 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 I'm not a big fan of mortgage debt. I, I do realize that um, the average person is not in a position to pay cash for a home. And, and uh, so, you know, I, I think it's reasonable to carry a mortgage. Uh, but uh, when I'm consulting with clients, I'm, um, I'm always leaning a little bit toward uh, helping them to understand, you know, how to pay that mortgage off and to, to ha- actually have a plan rather than just living uh, paycheck to paycheck and, and, you know, look, focusing just on the payment and things of that nature, but actually have a plan of, uh, is it, you know, are you buying, are you buying too much house? Um, and, um, you know, a lot, most people can qualify for more than they probably should be buying uh, yeah. is my personal opinion. Yeah. And, uh, so when I get, especially young people, first time home buyers, I actually try to, uh, put on my father hat and uh, <laughs> sort of coach them a little bit on not trying to stretch that envelope too, too far. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people tell me later on when they come back that second and third time around for, you know, they, they give me a call and that next home and, and so forth, how much they, they appreciated that. So yeah, uh, it gives me a good sense of, uh, of, uh, this well-being in this yeah. industry to do that. Yeah, know? that's that's cool. It might be, yeah. you know, I don't know what it's like today, but that might be countercultural in your in your mm-hmm. business. I mean, obviously, it, it, it is. Yeah. It is very countercultural in my business. Uh, now, all that being said, there are exceptions to what I just said, especially for you know high net worth 
financially savvy clients uh, that are disciplined and um, they can use uh, lower rates potentially on an adjustable rate or whatever and kind of use it as a pseudo arbitrage and sure. um, come out ahead. Uh, but it, you know, that's, probably the exception yeah. more than the rule, gotcha. I would say. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, again, we have these, um, these low rates, these historically low rates. So is this a good time to, to refinance? Uh, you bet. I, if if you're, if, if you ever needed a incentive to, to refinance, uh, boy, I, I just can't, you know, I've, I've never seen rates this low in my career in my career. Yeah. Um, and we may never see them this low again, quite frankly. Uh, and like you say, um, never let a good crisis, um, uh, go, uh, unused or whatever yeah. the term was. You used. Yeah. Um, that is very true. Uh, it's, it's, there's just never been a better time to, to refinance our, our purchase. Yeah. Um, we, uh, I would say that, <clears throat> 99% of the loans we're doing at the moment uh, are fixed rate mortgages uh, that affords uh, a person, you know, an incredibly low rate, but it also affords them uh, a safer instrument to not worry about uh, the loan adjusting down the road and their in potential inability to, to pay the mortgage. Uh, if, if, uh, things reverse and interest rates go up at some point and that, that payment jumps up on them. So yeah. with that said, I would advise anyone with an adjustable rate mortgage at the moment, uh, if that, if they are going to remain in that home before that loan, uh, uh, uh adjust, I may not have said that right. If they're going to stay in their home and that loan is going to adjust while they're in the home. Um, by by all means, they need to get out of that adjustable rate mortgage and get into a fixed rate mortgage while while the opportunity presents itself. Just yeah. never been a better time. Yeah, absolutely. We, yeah, we also talk a lot about the um, futility of forecasting, as I mentioned before about my mm -hmm. statement back in two thousand and nine. Uh, and the irony of recessions is um, there are you know there are certain things that uh, can help you and certain things that can hurt you. Obviously a lot of people lose their jobs in recession. So mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people are out of work and can't get a mortgage or they're worried about making the mortgage payment they have. So they're, it's a really tough environment, but the capital markets um, adjust and rates go down because obviously the federal reserve and the central banks try to, you know, uh, create some demand. And by doing that for those that do have steady jobs and those that do have the financial wherewithal, there is an opportunity to take advantage of this. And that's what you just, you just spoke about. I could not agree more if, and also for the listener, for those that are really concerned about uh, inflation, I mean, real estate assets have historically been good hedges against inflation. So if you've got a 30 year fixed rate mortgage at 3% um, and the value of your home is likely to appreciate at some reasonable rate, you know, there is, you know, there is a hedge there. You've got an, you've got an mm -hmm. asset that's inflating and you've got a fixed obligation that's fixed. Um, so, and if we do have inflation, you're paying that loan back in the future with uh, ch cheaper dollars because your dollar is worth less. So, yeah, I, right. I mean, we, we I concur with you in all of our planning. I mean, we try to get our clients who are retired, all things being able to be debt-free, 
But uh, but those that can't or those that have the financial wherewithal, now's a good time to at least be visiting that. Last thing before we close, um, mm-hmm. and tell me a little bit about how you work with guys like me. How do you interact with advisors? How are you part of the financial planning process? How does someone like, um, I mean, I know, obviously, but just for the audience, how do you interact with their advisors? Yes, great question. Well, typically, uh, I'm contacted first by the wealth advisor, um, and they they tell me a little bit about their client and their, and their situation, basically give me sort of a thumbnail sketch. Um, and assuming that client uh, uh, doesn't have any qualifying challenges, uh, we're basically just talking about uh, the financial plan and, and how I can uh, be a part of that plan. Uh, so um, they'll go over uh, their finances with me. Uh, again, more of a thumbnail sketch um, as it pertains to qualifying in my industry. And, um, you know, the objective of what they're trying to achieve, are they, are they trying to um, improve cash flow for retirement? Are they trying to, or maybe some of your younger clients, they have a goal to, to be uh, debt-free and pay the loan off uh, sooner and things of that nature. So we just we talk about uh, the, the objectives of their plan. Um, and then I usually lay out, uh, as you know, several options uh, at a minimum, uh, with all the various costs, uh, involved and, uh, send them over. And then that enables the, the planner to, uh, take those, uh, spreadsheets and what have you and put them in front of their client, uh, and pictures worth a thousand words for them to see the numbers. Uh, right. it just uh, makes all the difference in the world. Gotcha. Uh, and when, when they can see the numbers on paper, uh, it, uh, it, it just helps them to be on board with it as well. Right. Terrific. Well, this has been yeah. really, really helpful, Ed. I really, really appreciate it. So uh, if the audience wants to learn more about you or in your firm uh, or have questions about mortgages, what's, what's the best way for them to, to, find, to find you? To find me? Well, um, uh, they can reach out to me at uh, my direct line, uh, which is 770-649. 4903, or they can email me at ed.wheeler at amerisbank.com. And Wheeler is spelled W-H-E-E-L-E-R, and Ameris Bank is A-M-E-R-I-S. Well, that well, that's terrific. Well, thank you so much for your um, for your uh, information and, and education and, and, and obviously your coaching as well. And, and I've, um, like I said, with Mike, you, you know, we and I, you know, we talk a lot about how you, uh, advise, how clients need a team mm-hmm. and your banker can be on that team, uh, and often, and often should be. So thanks again, yeah, Ed, really appreciate it. And, um, Mike, I'll, I'll let you wrap us up. All right. Well, very helpful. Thank, Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Ed. And we appreciate your wisdom. And, and as always, I mean, yeah, absolutely. You need to collaborate. You need your professional, your financial professionals in your life to be collaborating. So, all right. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier. We hope you found today's discussion helpful. If you did, do me a favor, head over to iTunes and, and rate the show. You can also check out previous episodes right there on that podcast as well. And also check out previous episodes or Jeff's blog at www.tandemgrowth.com forward slash perspectives. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier. 
a show dedicated to help you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions for Jeff or Mike or comments on the show, feel free to reach out to us at moneyandmeaning@tandemgrowth.com, or you can find us on the web at www.tandemgrowth.com. Jeff Bernier is the President and Chief Investment Officer at Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. This show is a production of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC. All information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as specific financial, legal, or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation. Listeners should not rely on the content of this podcast as the basis for any investment decisions. A professional advisor should be consulted and or independent due diligence should be conducted before implementing anything discussed in this show. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Tandem Growth Financial Advisors LLC does not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Tandem Growth Financial Advisors LLC does not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information prepared by any unaffiliated third party, such as guests on the podcast, and takes no responsibility for the same.